Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everyone, I'm Nick DiMatteo and welcome to week 188 and video episode number 14 of 4T, the Thursday throwback track. Every week I take a release from my collection, I discuss it, I give you my take on it, I throw in some, you know, hopefully other facts and uh, talk about how it has influenced my music or the decisions I make in my music career. This week is all about greatest hits collections and in particular, Chart Action 83 the greatest hits, so to speak, of the year 1983. I, I love greatest hits collections. I have uh, a whole shitload of them. And um, there are four kinds in particular that I really love. One is the standard, which is a retrospective of a band up to that date. Uh, it shows their evolution. It kind of gives you a little travel through time. Um, I love them if I am uh, reviewing a band that I already love uh, and kind of just want to get, get their highlights and, again, see how they've evolved. Uh, or if it's a band I think I might want to get into and so I kind of, you know, survey their, their hits, some of which I wouldn't know, to see if I want to dive deeper. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, because Green Day released their new album, which is actually really good, uh, is their uh, collection from right before American Idiot, International Super Hits. I hadn't really known much of their music post Dookie, so it kind of gave me a chance to see what else they had been doing, and I loved it, you know, and that's just one example. Uh, second kind of greatest hits collection I, I love, uh, the hits of, of an artist that I have no interest in delving deeper into, uh, not because I don't respect them or like them, because they just, that's not, they don't speak to me, but I, I want to know more about them, or I want to, you know, dive into their hits, which often contain songs that might not have been the highest charting hits, but for some reason the decision was made that this is a good song, the song's worthy of being put on there. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily listen to the rest of their catalog. Uh, third type, greatest hits collection, uh, genre collection, uh, especially one that I either, um, you know, don't want to dive into or haven't dived into yet and kind of want to get a taste of it to see what it's like. Um, this is a perfect example of something that I really cherish. It's called What It Is. Uh, funky, soul, and rare grooves uh, spanning the years 1967 to 77. There are a lot of lesser-known funky songs and soul songs on there that just blew me away. And they're by artists and from, you know, the certain type of genre eras that I uh, don't have a deep, deep, deep interest in diving diving into, but I really love and respect that music and, and uh, 
you know, I've picked up a lot of genre collections like that, uh, crime jazz, jazz from like crime shows and, and uh, you know, movies from the, I think, 40s, 50s, maybe 60s, things like that, um, flute jazz. I don't know why these in particular are popping up, but there's, those are good examples. The fourth kind of greatest hits collection that I love is the time capsule collection, the one that, that is uh, from a decade or an era or a year. And this is the perfect example of one of those. Um, you know, KTEL was known for that way back before playlists and other ways of collecting uh, songs until one thing, make mixtapes, actual tapes, mixtapes, cassettes, not a CD or a Spotify playlist. Uh, KTEL, and I'm sure other companies, but you know, KTEL's the biggie, uh, would release annual collections of hits from that year. And I ate them up. Partly because I've always loved pop music. I have, uh, you know, eclectic tastes and I didn't, you know, again, one of the lists in this just one specific genre. So a kind of a survey of the hits from, you know, all genres of, of that year is the perfect thing for me to absorb. But what's interesting is uh, there's, there's a thing in music, uh, which you may know about already, called licensing, which means for a song to be used in any way by anyone other than the artist and the company that owns it, it has to be licensed. Whether it's in a, a film or a, a television show or on a collection like, like this, they had to get permission to use it. So, you know, KTEL's a great company, but it's not super rich, so there were hits of 1983 that they just couldn't afford the licensing for, or couldn't get the licensing for. Uh, for example, uh, way at the top of the charts or close to it that for that year, one of the singles was a Michael Jackson single. There's no way they could have afforded his licensing fees uh, or could have gotten permission. So what happened was these collections ended up being uh, both representative of the year but in a much more eclectic way than if they had just said, here are the top, you know, 15 uh, hits of the year. And someone had to make the decision of, well, if this, you know, we have to go beyond the top 15, top 20, top 25, even top 50, what songs are worthy of being on this collection that weren't super hits and, and, and why? You know, which is cool that, uh, you know, there were people behind the scenes here making decisions like that. Um, of the 14 songs on Chart Action 83, for example, only four of them were in the top 20 of that year. And some, like my all-time favorite Peter Gabriel song, Shock the Monkey, I don't care when it comes on, I'm gonna stop and listen to it to this day, that one didn't even make the top 100 sales of that year. I didn't research all the other, uh, what's 14, one, so nine other songs, but I'm sure a bunch of them probably made the top 100, maybe a couple didn't. And again, that, that is just, that's so, it's, it's cooler than you think it would be, let's just say. Um, and what KTEL would often end up with was something that radio, post Clear Channel, and to this day, and um, certainly the playlists made by algorithms or often by companies or, you know, other people, rarely, if ever do, which is to create an actually, actually diverse playlist that doesn't rely simply on top sales, top radio plays or spins, top streams, top, top downloads, uh, top shares, uh, we know however things are, are, are calculated in all the many ways. 
you know, these collections went beyond that. It's the way, uh, not, you know, maybe not quite the way someone like me or another person who loves music who's very, you know, personal about the decisions they make would make, but it's pretty, it's, it's close. And for, again, a large company to do that, that's kind of rare. Um, it it kind of, it goes to the, uh, also this other cool thing I discovered when I was researching, which is that that kind of heyday of KTEL, like 70s, early 80s, you know, things like that, uh, that area, um, they got creative in more ways than one. They, they would come up with, you know, titles of their collections that I'm sure in part were meant to attract sales. But, you know, unlike Kids Bop, which I know they're recreated, but again, they're kind of hits, um, they didn't rely on just the popularity of the songs. They, they got creative with the names, such as um, Music Explosion, Night Flight, Hit Machine, Right On, Pure Gold, Dimensions. These are all names of KTEL collections from that, you know, those years, 70s, early 80s. Um, there are a lot of ultra fun and creative companies and people out there in the world and online today who get quirky. Snark Shirts by Feek would be one of them. Uh, and, and large companies every now and then will do that too. But honestly, there's that sense of kind of like, Let's get funky, cool, weird, throw, throw shit in the wall and have real fun with it. Um, everything's so target marketed and tightly wound these days that, that you don't see that very often. So uh, rediscovering this chart, Action 83, kind of r reminded me of uh, why this approach is something that I've just always you know, loved and seek out. I won't say I miss it because it's out there. You have to find it, though. Um, Talking about greatest hits in general, the choices, as you've seen, they can be very subjective. Who's to say what is the best work of any year, of any artist? Again, the calculation sales and things like that, of course, but there are other factors that go into making these decisions. It, it, it might be driven by what's most representative of that artist, even if it wasn't a hit. Uh, other ways it worked in the world, art, artistic and, you know, integrity or, or you know, uh, critical acclaim, things like that. There were songs that were put on those blue and red, um, like double album uh, Beatles collections, I think that came out in the 70s, have been reissued many, many times, that actually weren't super hits, but a decision was made by somebody to put a song on there and then that song because it was collected with the other hits became a hit, a hit itself or a bigger hit or at least more widely known by by the public so again i'm like super into the reasons these decisions are made and and um i don't believe you have to be a you know famous band in fact obscure bands are often uh you know the way i got into them was through their you know somebody collected their hits or their best songs or whatever you know decisions were made behind that uh, and in keeping with that, I released uh, a Greatest Hits collection right prior to me uh, forming the band Wreck during the era, if you go back to last week's podcast, of uh, when I was calling myself Nick, the, the one, you know, one name person, uh, like Prince. <laughs> and uh, so I released a, a collection called Clear to Sunrise, Nick's Good Stuff, 1995 to 2005. And part of it was dictated by what was popular with, with uh, the, the people I knew, my fans, you know, uh, what uh, actually did get some play on the radio and things like that. Um, but really for me, the decisions that I made in choosing those songs were 
How close did I come to what I had in my head when I envisioned this song being recorded? Uh, those songs collected on Clear to Sunrise are the songs that sound as close as possible to what was in, in my head for pretty much the most part. Uh, uh, there were a couple, again, that I chose because they had just happened to be popular. Um, and so I have included that link, the link to the YouTube playlist of Clear to Sunrise, in the text below. Uh, I urge you to click it, uh, listen to it, pick your favorite songs, share it, comment, like, 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 subscribe, things like that, whatever it is people do. Click the link on the KTEL uh, website and learn more about them. It's actually really fun. I don't know who put it together, but it's really cool. Read the alternative text that I have down there. Um, talk about artists that you love. Do you love their greatest hits? Do you love their whole collection? Uh, what, what greatest hits have you played over and over and over? Uh, Indigo Girls pops into my head for some reason. Uh, which songs from this album, Chart Action 83, look it up. Which ones of those do you love? Which songs from Clear to Sunrise, my collection, do do you love? Do you like the best? Uh, discuss, because as always, um, my love of music, through my love of music, I am, I am uh, hoping to create conversation and connection. Uh, thanks again for uh, listening, for watching, for reading, for clicking, for doing all those fun actions, and I will see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.